Hello and welcome to Tax Wasted by the Australian Taxpayers Alliance. I'm Emilio Garcia, and uh, today we're going to start with a topic that I'm sure will infuriate any taxpayer who's having a, a bit of a hard time or is just seeing the, the economic situation in our country and feeling frustrated by it, as I think most of us are. Um, obviously, taxes in Australia are far too high. Obviously, at the moment, people are making significantly less than they were before. There are people who are unemployed. We are suffering the greatest job loss in a century in this country. But that didn't stop the government of two states from starting uh, to put out really high-paying job uh, propositions, ads, for people to fill. And you would be surprised what these jobs are. So let's start with, uh, with New South Wales. So the Department of Education in New South Wales has put out a listing for a job that pays $327,000 a year. Now you're thinking to yourself, well, this must be a very important job. Uh, maybe it's, it's crucial that it be filled uh, and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to give our, our children and the educational system in our state a really big boost. Uh, what this job is actually is the director of culture and, sorry, the director of people and culture at the New South Wales Department of Education. So $327,000 of taxpayers' money for a job that includes something to do with people and cult, which is like the most non-specific job title that you could ever <laughs> give, but we can just assume that it's some woke, ridiculous uh, BS. Uh, but it, you know, it doesn't stop there. I think you think that's bad. Let's go over to the socialist state of Victoria where a job for $249,000 was listed. And so $249,000 a year to be the Director of Intersectionality and Inclusion at the Department of Justice. So a quarter of a million dollars every single year to make sure that the Department of Justice has proper uh, inclusivity, and is meeting certain intersectional uh, identity groups because you know you really can't have justice served unless you have, uh, you know, Latinx crippled pagan something <laughs> on, on on your books. So uh, obviously, I mean, we're, we're joking, but this uh, this is pretty infuriating. We're we're seeing. Uh, really harsh economic times out there. People have lost their businesses, people have lost their jobs, people are struggling to get by. In uh, Victoria, one-third of small businesses will never reopen, and these are the jobs that the government is filling out. So we already have a problem with bureaucrat pay to begin with in Australia. Our bureaucrats are among the best paid anywhere in the world. And you can imagine a world in which you have a small number of very qualified bureaucrats who do an important job and get paid adequately. You really can't attract the best talent without paying them well. But in Australia, we have a part of that just without the competency, which means we have huge amounts of very average, non-impressive, uh, professionally uh, people working at the government with really cushy jobs that it's almost impossible to get fired from, and they're really not granting that much of a benefit to society. 
So this is obviously something that should be reformed. Uh, the size of government should be reduced dramatically. Uh, jobs such as uh, Director of Intersectionality and Inclusion and Director of People and Culture for Education, those are jobs that obviously should have never been invented. In fact, they don't actually exist. They're just <laughs> a figment of our imagination, an expensive one. Uh, and so obviously I think that this is uh, something that should be done away with and I think that uh, the broader ATA and the broader public of Australia would agree with. Uh, we're gonna move on now to alcohol. And uh, I'm sure as you know, if uh, you've been anywhere outside of Australia to have a drink ever in your life, uh, you'll know that we're paying some of the highest alcohol taxes anywhere in the world. Uh, Australia has huge, huge uh, alcohol taxes uh, on spirits, on beers, on wines, and that obviously raises the, the, the price artificially uh, pretty severely. Now we saw recently, for the first time in a long time, the government put off an increase to alcohol excise, uh, which hadn't happened in a very, very long time. But what we are seeing is that the government is holding firm to the fact that they do not want to reduce alcohol excise taxes. That's just not something that they're interested in. They don't think that it's going to be beneficial. They're, they might fear that uh, more people will, uh, will drink. Uh, however, we do have uh, new data out of uh, PricewaterhouseCooper that says that actually a better uh, course of action would be to reduce alcohol excise taxes, this, the, the thing that the government doesn't want to do, uh, because it could actually do two very good things. One is that it could help the sector uh, recover uh, faster, meaning uh, companies that produce spirits, p uh, companies that produce beer or wine, they would see a far faster recovery. And on top of that, the government would see a really large boost in revenue from alcohol by reducing those taxes. So there really is very little reason, it would seem, if we are to believe the, uh, the, the study uh, carried out by PricewaterhouseCooper, which we really have no reason to doubt, uh, and also, it's, I mean, even if this data hadn't been released, really the, the justification behind the, the alcohol excise tax is uh, pretty vapid and stupid, and uh, the, the price we're paying for a pint in this country is really egregious. So hopefully the government will, will look at this data, see that there is uh, some good in reducing alcohol excise. We can see some more jobs be created. We can see some uh, cheaper drinks uh, at the pub and uh, we would all be better off for it. Uh, we are gonna go now quickly to a video uh, produced by our policy director, Emily Dye. And she's going to explain to us exactly how we're getting our, uh, tobacco excise wrong and what the government should be doing about it. In the last couple of years, uh, we've had a real uptake in the illicit tobacco trade and as a, as a result, I think, of the high excise tax. The excise tax goes up regularly, and as a result, there's a lot of profit to be made uh, when cigarettes are $33 for a pack in Australia, but only $2 in Indonesia, we have a problem. We all know that smoking is very addictive. Uh, nicotine is one of the most addictive substances. About 20 to 25% of users actually become addicted and dependent and use cigarettes daily. And so they're not gonna quit just because the price is too high. At some point, they, it just means that they cut, off on, cut down on other things. Um, they have a lower quality of life, um, lower living standards because they're spending so much on cigarettes. Um, 
they really need an alternative to cigarettes and a way of weaning themselves off that isn't just punishing them. We are now spending taxpayer dollars on the, the tobacco task force um, with the border force. And that is costing us money. And that is a threat to society, I think, because right now it's low risk. Uh, if you sell tobacco, you could get fined. Uh, you're not going to go to jail for years and years. A lot of drug dealers are like, hey, I've got, I can make a lot of money on tobacco. It's not as risky, not as bad. And so it's not as dangerous. And a lot of that danger that comes with the drug trade is because of the risk. They're risking a lot to trade. And there's a lot to lose. And so they have to protect their products. Right now, we don't have that with tobacco. And so it's a lot safer of an illegal market relative to these drugs. I think that if anybody has a nicotine addiction, <laughs> it's the, the ATO. Uh, <laughs> they collect a lot of money on the excise tax. Uh, they need to cut spending. And they need to cut spending on things like the tobacco task force. Um, we don't need to be, if we don't create an illegal trade, we don't have to spend money to stop an illegal trade. <laughs> All right, that was uh, fantastic uh, content from Emily Dye, as per usual. Uh, nothing less than what we have uh, become accustomed to from her. Uh, we're going to finish off with Victoria. And the situation down there seems to be devolving quite quickly. We went over uh, a couple of episodes ago how uh, Daniel Andrews' uh, really severe approach to the pandemic doesn't seem to be in lockstep with the reality on the ground and how the cases in Victoria, though they're much higher than they are anywhere in the country, uh, don't seem to justify a full-on lockdown as the healthcare system in Victoria is not in risk, really, of being overwhelmed yet, and it, it's not even close to being at risk. Um, but Daniel Andrews seems to have, uh, to be on a bit of a power trip at the moment, and recently he tried to extend Victoria's state of emergency indefinitely, and that wasn't, that didn't materialize, he didn't, he didn't get that uh, across the line. And so now Dan Andrews' new idea is to have an 18-month state of emergency, which is patently absurd. This is, I mean, it, it seems more than anything like a, a, a power grab. Uh, I, su I, I suppose the, the way that they would put it is to say that uh, the situation with COVID is just so severe in Victoria that they really need to, to plan to, to really control the population and control movement to assure, uh, to assure basically that, that people don't die needlessly at a large scale. But it's not okay for the premier to really lock down the state and to take away people's liberties and to shut down businesses for so long for what we repeat is really not the situation that they seem to say that it is. It is not, it, it's a bad, it's a bad situation. The labor government down there has completely mismanaged the situation uh, regarding COVID in Victoria, and they are in a complete, uh, how, do, how do you say it? I mean, <laughs> just compared to the rest of the world, uh, to the rest of the country, where we see cases of anywhere between four and 20 every day, and they're somewhere above, between 100 and 200. Of course, they've done uh, things badly, but shutting down businesses, not allowing people to move freely, uh, to this degree is obviously something that is not warranted and should end rather soon. 
And speaking of ending, that's where we are going to close off this episode of Tax and Wasted. Thank you very much for joining us. If you haven't done this already, please go on YouTube and on Facebook and follow us there so you can see the audio, the video version of the podcast. If you want the audio version of the podcast, you can go on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, really wherever you get your podcasts, we're there, subscribe. If you haven't become a member of the ATA, Australian Taxpayers Alliance, please do. You can go to taxpayers.org.au and become a member. You'll get lots of great benefits. This has been Taxed and Wasted by the Australian Taxpayers Alliance. We'll see you next week.